Hello and what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkinson and I'm here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, certainly am, Rob. It's been another busy week, hasn't it? Another busy weekend for all our sporting clubs. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be able to squeeze everything into this hour show that we've got, but it should be a good one. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. We'll start with the Rugby League and Sulphur Red Devils. They were in action on Friday night away at Huddersfield. A must-win must game for Paul Rowley's men, which they succeeded in doing. Talk us through it, Paul. Yeah, terrific, Rob. Yeah, it, was, it was a funny game because there was a lot of errors, an awful lot of errors in the first half. And But for me, Sulphur had the most of the territory, the most possession. They were the better side and they, they deservedly led 12 points to eight half time. You know, a good try from... From uh, Ryan Briley, you know, got us on, on the mark, and Sam Stone grabbed the try as well. Second half was all one-way traffic. We kept uh, Huddersfield to, you know, scoreless, and uh, scored some good tries of our own as well, and uh, defended really, really well. Joe Burgess thought it was terrific under the high ball. He got tested quite a lot. Huddersfield got some talented players, but you know, Ian Watson said it in the press conference, Salford wanted it more, and they were the, and they were the better side, but his words. So, so yeah, they, they played some really good stuff in the second half, in bad conditions as well. It chucked it down in that second half, but they played the conditions, scored some good tries, and uh, yeah, won the game 32-8. Sam Stone with a brace, and the other tries came from Ken Seo and uh, Chris Atkins scored try of the night, really. It went through a few pairs of hands, that one. And as I said, with it raining really hard, it was a, a good try to get over. So it was a thoroughly deserved win, I thought, Robin. And a big win, you know, away from home against the, you know Huddersfield, who, who were on the up, really, on good form. Ian Watson just got coach of the month. So they've been doing very well. So it was a, a, we humbled them, really, on their, uh, on their own ground. Yeah, talking about Sam Stone, two tries for him. Here he is telling us what he thought about the match as well as Dion Cross, Oliver Patterson and Brad Singleton. So I'm joined by uh, Brad Singleton, first uh, winners of Salford Lane. How do you feel? Yeah, um, over the moon with it really. I think um, Huddersfield go about the business and um, in a very um, particular way and, and they're uh, quite direct on it. And it's a tough obstacle to beat. And especially in that first 20 minutes, it was a top-end game. There was a grind there. And um, I know probably the score doesn't reflect our thingy, but it was it was a top-end game that first 20 minutes. And, and we stuck in there and we got the better of them. And uh, we reaped the rewards in the second half. Yeah, obviously, you know, you've played in you know top big games before, cup finals. To get there, you've got to win games like that. And it's a good sign we've, we've come to Huddersfield today and won. Yeah, like I said, I think, I think they're in good form as well. I yeah. think off the back of, um, I think it's six defeats, on the back of six defeats, to, to go there and put 30, 30, was it 32 in the end? Yeah, yeah. 32 on, on our Huddersfield side, that are really neat and tidy and, and that are wanting to get in the playoffs. I think, I think it's a huge achievement. And you know what, it's quite exciting to where this group can go. We've got, we've got potentially five, five games left and the, and the league table is really tight and I'm really excited about where this group can go. Yeah, we're back in the six, obviously five games to go. Uh, can you see a, a playoff finish at the end of it? Oh, 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll back this team. I've only been here for a short while, but the potential of this team and the togetherness of the team is incredible. And look, we've got five performances to, to finish in that top six. And then look, I, I've been there before and it, and it takes three wins, you know what I mean, yeah. to, to, to go reach that silverware. So it's exciting stuff. And, and look, I'm not going to put any pressure on us, but it's exciting. Yeah, where you feel next? Opportunity to build some momentum. Yeah, of course, and there's a bit of banana skin there. Everyone thinks that they're down there, but they're scrapping for their lives. Yeah. So you're playing against a top team, scrapping for the for the um, wages, really. So so you, what you see is you have to get prepared for a top end game again. Yeah. Albeit like you have to ignore the, ignore the table and you have to get ready for a top end um, game. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us tonight. Brilliant and well done.
and joined by Dion Cross. Good win tonight. How do you feel? Yeah, brilliant, mate. I think a uh, long time coming. You know, we've been through a bit of a rough patch, you know, mid-season. But, you know, nice to see us turn a corner now. And, you know, we've got five more games. But we spoke about, you know, just taking it week by week now. Just keep ticking them off. You know, every every week now it's a cup final for us, you know, to try and push that playoff spot. Obviously a real tough game. Was there any particular point in the game where you thought, you know what, this is ours? Probably that last 20, I think, after Ken Seo scored. And, you know, we spoke about, you know, just keep turning that screw and putting that last nail in the coffin, really, for him. And uh, just trying to see the game out and put it to bed. And we spoke about that all week at training. It could come down, you know, to the last couple of minutes. And, you know, credit to the boys for sticking that out for the full 80. Yeah, obviously back in the six now. Five games to go. Playoff charges on. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, Rolls has spoke about just, you know, looking week by week. So, you know, we'll uh, enjoy the win tonight and then, you know, we'll uh, pick the bones out of it and then we'll go again for Wakefield on Friday. What was the change room like after, obviously, the last 60 feet on the spin, getting to use that drum again? Yeah, it was great. You know, the the boys were loving it and, uh, you know, it was just nice because I think when you... When it's going good for you, it's going good. So, you know, it was nice to get back on the horse tonight and, you know, winning's infectious. And, you know, when you get start building that momentum and, you know, get a bit of confidence back in the squad. Yeah, way you feel next week, like you say, opportunity to build some momentum. Yeah, definitely. You know, they've, uh, they give us a game the last two games against us and obviously still hurts us when they beat us at their place uh, quite a few weeks ago. So, yeah, we've got to put our best foot forward and, you know, uh, make sure we turn up on Friday. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us tonight and good win. So I'm joined by Ollie Pinton. Good win tonight. Yeah, really tough win. Uh, they definitely brought it for the first uh, 70 minutes, but we just uh, had the better of them today. Yeah, obviously, you know, we had a run of, run of defeats. What's it like, obviously, getting back to winning ways? Oh, it felt good. It felt like a final in there, and that's what we've uh, kind of spoke about, having six finals, and that was the first one. So, uh, yeah, just um, really pleased to get the win, and uh, just need more of the same now. What was the changing room like after, obviously, after the last few defeats? Back to banging that drum? Yeah, it was buzzing. Everyone was everyone was buzzing. I'm happy for Singo because he didn't get a win on his debut. So uh, yeah, happy that he got to see got to see the winning song. Yeah, back to back, back in the six now. Uh, momentum, ready for Wakefield next week. Yeah, just got to keep doing same game plan. I think work hard through the middle and the backs. Do what they did today. It was awesome. Like you say, five games to go. Everyone a cup final now. Um, you think we'll make the six? Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us. Cheers. Good, well done today, and uh, see you next week. I'm joined by two try hero Sam Stone. Good win that tonight. Yeah, it was good, mate. You know, we've had some good performances in you know recent weeks, and you know it was really good to get a reward for it tonight. Yeah, obviously two good tries tonight. Talk us through them. Uh, you know, one just a little short ball off Sneedy that was good, and then you know just always trying to be in the picture on those kick ones, and you never know your luck. So got lucky on that second one. Yeah, back in the six now. Six games to go. You know, what's our chances of getting in the six? You reckon? Oh, mate, let's just take it one at a time. You know, try and win as many of these last, what, we've got five left. So I think we can win three of the last five. I think we put ourselves in a good shape. So uh, we'll take it a week at a time, but I think that's a good goal to go towards. Well, there's a changing room like after, obviously after, is it 60 feet on the spin, back to banging that drum? No, it was good. It was good. All the boys got involved and, you know, it's always fun winning. A lot better than losing, mate. Brilliant. Wakefield next week at home. Opportunity to build some momentum. Yeah, for sure. We definitely own one from last time we played them. And, um, you know, they're, they're not as a bad a team as, you know, the uh, latter might suggest. So you definitely got to turn up against them. They're very physical. Brilliant. Superb tonight. Thanks for talking to us and see you next week. So players there, Paul, happy with the result. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, I thought Brad Singleton was, was excellent once again. You know, he played really well against St. Helens in his debuts. He's added, um, you know, some muscle to that pack and some aggression as well. Sam Stone, I thought, was terrific. 
you know, he scored two good tries and does an awful lot of tackling and, and defending as well. So, uh, you know, he's having a really good season for us. So, yeah, it was hard to pick a man of the match, really, because there was an awful lot of good performances up and down the team. But I'm glad to see uh, Brad Singleton. I saw him at the end celebrating with the supporters. And, uh, yeah, he looked uh, he looked really happy to be there. So, I think it, the supporters have talked to him straight away. Does this win kickstart Sofa's charge for a playoff spot? I know before the victory on Friday night, they'd gone uh, was it six games uh, without a win, uh, but the results went in Sofa's favour this weekend, so they are back in the six and looking forward to the next five games. Yeah, they've got some tough games coming up. I think they're definitely back in there, Rob, now. You know, um, the confidence should, should be sky high, really, because, you know, the games that we've lost... We've been pretty unlucky in, really. I mean, apart from the Catalan game, it's a bit of a whitewash, but the, the three home games that we lost, we, we could have won all three of them, so you'd be sitting pretty there on 28 points. So, so yeah, all's not lost. We've got Wakefield, Trinity at home next, next Friday, so got to be looking at winning that game. I mean, I saw their highlights against Castleford, and they're a poor team, Rob, and, and they, they beat us comfortably at their place a few weeks ago where we had quite a few players out but with a full strength side now barring Shane Wright I think we should be going putting them to the sword but it's all about attitude now you've got to approach that game as if you're playing Brisbane Broncos for me and, and go out there and just you know pretend it's a, a grand final you've got to do that every week now and you know beat Wakefield and look forward to the next one so there's some winnable games there for us I wouldn't like to say how many we'd need to win out of the last five but we've got a chance in all those games I don't think there's anybody we should be fearing now you know the way we played on uh, on Friday at Huddersfield, probably not our best performance of the season, but you know um, a really big win and a confidence boosting win. Yeah, obviously Paul Rowley, uh, always on a bit of a barren run, but win against Huddersfield takes that pressure off him. Yeah, it does, and you know I said to him on the interview, it's been a long time coming that, and he he sort of said, yeah, but they did the performance hasn't because I think he's right, the performances haven't been a long time coming, they've been good, so it's just the result that's what we've been waiting for, and now we finally got that result. Yeah, I think it's a bit of pressure off everybody at the club, and it put smiles back on everybody's faces, and you know we didn't want the season to just fizzle out, did we? So it was, it was danger of it doing that, but that was a big win. That I thought it was quite a sweet win as well against Huddersfield, a ground that we normally do quite well on. As I said before, they're a good side. They've got some good players and they had a lot of ambition start of the season. And for us to go there and humble them the way we did, I think that's a big statement. Yep. Yeah. Here you are talking to Paul Rowley and Kurt Haggerty after the game. I'd like to say I've enjoyed my Paul Rowley and Kurt Haggerty. It's been a long time coming, that victory, but how pleasing was that tonight? Real professional performance. Um, yeah, it's been, you said it's been a long time coming, but the performance has not been a long time coming. We, we, we've performed... Um, Previously, you know, good enough to get to get the wins and, and, and not have the, the luck sometimes. And you do need it, whatever people say you need it. Um, but the important bit is that they, they never they never waver in belief. Uh, they never use it as an excuse to work a little bit less. Uh, it just drives us on to work harder. And I've said all along that, I, you know, get asked the question, how did you get out of this? He said work harder. And so um, that's always the answer. And that's what the lads were prepared to do. So, yeah. Uh, Really pleased for them, more importantly, and pleased for the fans. And I know they're pleased to be able to do that for the supporters as well. They were brilliant, equally brilliant as all well the boys. So we're, we're happy as a staff. What was the best aspect of that tonight, Kurt? Was it the defence? I mean, that, that second half there, I think, even in the closing stages, you were, you were banging into touch, you were pushing them behind the dead ball line. That's commitment. You're 32 points to 8 up, and you're still defending like your lives depend on it. Yeah, I think people, there's probably only our team who could score them points in that weather and them conditions, but. We'll, we'll focus on off the ball stuff 
dragging them into touch the dead ball areas and what we would class as character stats I think they were the most important thing for us moving forward because we can have the shapes we can have all the stuff that looks really good but it's off the ball that will win, win us the big games How much does that win do for confidence now of the players I mean like you said before we've not been far off in a lot of games have we but is that a massive thing for the confidence just getting the two points Well what I would say is you would expect to have seen a team out there today who lack confidence but uh, they've got more confidence than, than uh, myself and Kurt when we're sat watching like, we're, we're more nervous than them but obviously they're in control they're masters of their own destiny uh, and they're never you know they're never sure they never go within themselves um, so we do not, that's the one thing this team doesn't have a confidence problem we, we, we retain belief we practice hard and practice well consistently uh, and on the back of that they, you know they, they take confidence onto the field with them and uh, and sometimes, you know, we're we're, we're like we, we take our hat off to the players. Really, we're, we're very uh, we admire we admire what they do. Um, but you know, we want to drive them harder. And, and like I say, our focus will be more on the character and uh, you know things off the ball. So, uh, but we've got the players to to uh, to you know to do the business and and, uh, and show the skill when it matters. So we've some cool lads out there today, and uh, a lot of good performances where it'd be tough to pick out individuals. I thought you were good in the first half, to be honest, I thought you edged it. But what did he say to the lads in the, at half-time, Kurt? Because in the second half, you seemed to just up the levels and Huddersfield couldn't live you. And Huddersfield are a decent side as well. Yeah, I think the message is really simple, especially from Paul. Just keep completing your sets highly, play at the right times, and just make sure we just tied up our offence, because we knew defensively our attitude was right. So just tying up some things offensively and focusing on D will get us results at the end. And again, I've already said it, there's only us who can score them points in that kind of weather, them conditions. Sorry, lads. Focusing on the defence. So for us, yeah, the message was really clear from Paul. And we just had to um, stick to the plan and it worked for us. Huddersfield have got a lot of attacking threats as well, haven't they? Just scored one try. They didn't bush you down the middle. I thought your defence at times was outstanding. Brad Singleton, you know, another good performance. Mm-hmm. He's a new player as well. Yeah, well, you look at Huddersfield's squad, it's uh, stacked with ability, I think. You look through the squad, three or four positions deep, very, very good. The, the competition for players must be so difficult here. But, yeah, for us, for, for single, we, we know what Brad was going to bring to us. He, he's, he's been around the block, he knows how to do things the right way. He's been in some great environments, so he's certainly added to the group. He's been uh, he's led more than he spoke at the moment, which is really good for the group, which I think was needed too. Joe Burgess as well, I have to give him a mention because he's normally renowned for his try scoring but I thought under the eyeball and his defence tonight he was absolutely outstanding Yeah, I thought that, that was Budge's best game this year um, I thought our left edge today needed to be on it and I know Kurt and myself both privately uh, was on to them all week and in particular today about the focus um, and I thought Joe, Tim, Sneedy and Sam Stone as a full left edge, I thought they were all outstanding. And they needed to be against a really potent attacking side, in particular in and around McQueen there, who was always going to challenge, uh, first and foremost, Sneedy and Stoner. And then, obviously, the last two defenders had to be connected to what Sneedy were doing. So they were very connected, very committed. And, uh, and like I say, I know you, the question was about Joe, but I thought Joe, uh, Joe was one out of four that were, were all very good. What does Tim Lafayre bring to this team as well? I mean, we talk about the edge. He's so elusive. You don't know what he's going to do. His defence is mustard as well, isn't it? Well, they come up with uh, quite a lot of forced errors. So uh, that was really important to us. Uh, they, they, they made good choices, good decisions, defensive decisions in particular, and made some forced errors, which uh, are pressure releases for us uh, and, and take away Huddersfield's 
ability to build pressure in watch the probably the best team in the league at um, you know just completing kicking completing kicking uh, and then you know beat you up defensively but the forced errors were, were fantastic for us so Tim Lafayette in particular when he's on he's on um, um, I think in the first half of the season I don't think we've seen the best of him to be honest he's, he's carried an injury to his hand in the first half which is fully ill now and I think um, last game and today we, we, we've seen Tim Lafayette that, that we know so uh, we're in a good position uh, there's a lot of pressure at the minute uh, and it's good and it's exciting so uh, we're, we're enjoying the journey but we're really committed and focused to finish it strong How's Brody Croft? I know he had a bit of ice. It's just a precaution with that. Is he going to be all right? Yeah, he got a dead leg. So Nothing you see how he responded. We got him off, obviously. Um, a bit, a bit, yeah, he, he's uh, he's fine. The race is on for the top six. It's better to go into that top six on good momentum rather than limping in there. A lot of teams sort of limp in there and get in there and sort of fall apart. But you're yeah. going for that on good momentum now. You've got five games left. You're going to attack Wakefield next week. Yeah, what we like to think and... I think there'll be a lot of teams nervous if Salford get into the six, so our aim is to get in there and let's see what we can do. Thank you both very much for speaking to me. Have a nice weekend. I'll see you next Friday. Enjoy. So that was Paul Rowling, Kurt Hackerty after the game. Uh, talk to yourself, Paul, about the victory. Uh, what did you make of what they said? Yeah, yeah, they were, they were both they were both pleased with that. And, and you know the coaching staff at Salford, they work as a team, don't they? Uh, particularly... Kurt and, and Paul, they're a good uh, a good duo together and uh, they learn off each other and I think Kurt's cutting his teeth there, learning off Paul. So, so yeah, they, they were pleased with the result, pleased with the performance more than anything. And I think, you know, the attitude that the players have got, it gets talked about all the time. And, you know, I think they've got a really good group there of players that want to work hard for each other and I think that should stand us in good stead. Yeah, obviously excited about what's to come. I think the... Sort of the pain and the defeats they've suffered over the last few weeks is only going to build uh, this team uh, character, which is important going into a playoff contest. Your your team needs to be full of characters and and full of confidence, and hopefully they'll pick up a few more wins in the next couple of games uh, to secure the playoff spot uh, and get them fired up ready for playoffs. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think I mentioned it to them too. When you go into the playoffs, you want to go in there on good form, don't you? And I think if you hit the playoffs in good form you've got a chance of upsetting teams in the playoffs, a bit like we did last season. Um, if you limp in there and get in there on points if it's on a bad run of form, you're going to get battered, really. And, and They might as well not bother going in the playoffs because you get that teams every season. A team will come in or they'll drop down and the players are already on the beach, aren't they? They're not really bothered and you know the season's over and they've not really got that ambition of winning the title. You want to go in there and if you get in the playoffs, you want to go to Old Trafford. So if you can get in there on good form and really hit these next five games now, then they, they can they can trouble teams. I think there'll be teams worried about playing us like, like they were last season. You look at St. Helens, we almost turned them over and the, the job we did on Huddersfield last year in the playoffs, it was really exciting. So I think the supporters have got that to look forward to. And, you know, it just seems to be, you know, bearing fruit at the right time now. We've got players coming back rather than players injured. So touch wood, we, we, get, we, we steer clear of major injuries now and, and hit the playoffs with, uh, with, with fresh troops. Yeah, our ladies were in action uh, on Sunday at league leaders, Liam went down to defeat 28 points to 20. Chris Bates ladies pushing for that home spot in the playoffs in their first Super League season. What an achievement that will be. Yeah, yeah, they're doing well, aren't they? I mean, they're unlucky against Liam. Or Liam, a decent side, aren't they? They've met them a few times this season. That was probably one of the close ones, the closest ones they've come. So, yeah, it's been a good season, a big step up this season. I've been impressed with them. You know, recent weeks they've really found some form as well. Another battle in uh, 
battling display there, just just slightly coming up short. So, uh, but yeah, they were looking forward to the playoffs now, and hopefully, like you said, get that home game. Yeah. And the reserves were in action as well uh, this weekend against Huddersfield. Away from home, won 30 points to 28. Five tries uh, for Stuart Wilkinson's boys after last week's win. Two on the spin for them. Yeah, that's right. They're they've, they've starting to hit some form, aren't they? That was a good performance against Huddersfield. You know, Huddersfield are a side with a lot of... Uh, a lot of players to pick from there. They've got a good academy, the reserves as well, and a decent first team. So they've got a, a lot to pick from and a, and a decent side, especially at home. So that was a great result that to go there and get the win. And that just shows you how how well the South reserves are progression and, and coming together as a team. So, no, really, really pleasing win that. Yeah, I'll just quickly run through the other Super League results of the weekend. Set Helens beat Hull KR 28 points to 6. Obviously Hull King, Kingston Rovers after their Challenge Cup defeat uh, suffered another defeat against the Saints. Yeah, I think that wasn't expected really, Robert. You know, Set Helens are in good form at the moment, aren't they? I don't know how many of the games they've won on this, this bin, but they're starting to put wins together and, you know, you would have expected that, you know, Hull Kingston Rovers had all the euphoria of the Cup and a defeat as well and going to extra time and what have you. So uh, that was always going to be a tough one for them to bounce back in going to uh, to St. Helens. Yeah, the big relegation battle of the weekend. Uh, Casford Tigers came on came out on top. They beat Wakefield 28 points to 12. Doesn't uh, confine Wakefield to relegation, but it's a nail in the coffin. Yeah, it's a psychological blow for them. You know, the, the thing is, Casford you know, pressed the button, didn't they, and sacked the coach and brought Danny Ward in. They've got that new coach bounce, as, as you always talk about, you know, and you're right as well. It, it does sometimes has that effect. You know, Wakefield have kept faith with uh, Mark Applegarth, haven't they? And, you know, are they, are they going to press that panic button now? I'm not too sure because their form's been, been poor really all season, hasn't it? They've had a few good wins in recent weeks, but, you know, I think by far they're the, they're the worst team in the league and, they, you know, they're staring down the barrel of the relegation now big time. Yeah. Uh, Wigan beat Hull thirteen uh, twelve. Uh, last the golden point drop goal. The difference. Yeah, another game that's gone to golden point extra time. I think there's been more this season than uh, than previous years, hasn't there? We've had a few in the Challenge Cup as well. So, uh, so yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it should be a draw. You know, if you you deserve a draw, but they're the rules we play to. And yeah, Wigan. I believe they missed all the goals. I think they scored three tries in that game. And Harry Smith missed all the kicks, so uh, he could do with a bit of kicking practice there. And they wouldn't have had to go to Golden Point, but no, it sounded another thrilling game that Wigan. Yeah, Lee Challenge Cup winners last week were defeated at home to Catalan Dragons, thirty points to fourteen. Yeah, well, surprisingly, Lee. I didn't expect Lee to to win that game. I thought it'd be too much for them after Wembley, but they played really well in the first half and they were winning fourteen twelve at the break. And you know, Catalans, we all know how well they played this season. But yeah, Catalans were too strong in the second half. But I don't think that's a disgrace from from Lee. You know, they've they've just won the cup and that's probably took a lot out of them energy wise this week. And you know, but give a good a good account of themselves there against Catalans. But you've got to be looking at Catalans now for for top spot and and they'll get that whole draw in the playoffs and can you see anybody that going there to, to Perpignan and, and knocking them off? I, I can't, to be honest, the way they're playing at the moment. They look shooing for that grand final. Mm. Warrington, uh, after Daryl Powell's uh, departure, lost again, leads away, 24 points to 22. Yeah, that was another uh, sort of seesaw game, that one on Sunday. and 
you know, I think the lead changed hands numerous times in that game at Warrington again falling short. And I think somebody said somehow that's eight games on the spin they've lost now. I don't, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but that's a woeful run of form for a side with the riches that Warrington have got. You know, you look on paper, they've probably got the best side in the league or, you know, in the top three of, of, of superstar players, aren't they? So, uh, you know, they've got an embarrassment of riches there, but they just can't seem to win a game. But I don't know what's going on there this season with them, but they're, they're really, really underachieving. Yeah, obviously. Let's move on to our other local side, Swinton Lions. And they announced a new coach for next season, Alan Kilshaw. Paul, tell us all about him. Yeah, I've met Alan a couple of times when he was coaching at Rochdale Hornets and he was there for a while. He's the current coach of Hunslet and he's doing a really good job there. So I think he knows the the, the, the sort of championship and league one inside student the game. I know he's done quite a bit of media work in his time as well. So uh, no a real likable guy. So he'll come in at Swinton and I think he's a good coup for them to, to get really, you know, leaving Hunslet after doing such a good job there. So that's a you know a real positive replacement for um, for Alan Coleman who's left him in Alan and uh, they speak really highly of him. A good appointment for uh, for Swinton. So this week Swinton Lions were in action away in France, Toulouse, and went down to defeat. 28 points to six, uh, Paul. Uh, tough place to go, France. It is a tough place to go, yeah, in that sort of heat as well. But from from the reports either, you know, Swinton were pretty unlucky in that game. They were leading early on, and there was one or two contentious decisions that people aren't very happy with. So it sounds like the game is really good account of themselves and, and a bit unlucky. So what they've got to do now is take that, you know, confidence from that into the remaining fixtures because it is a real battle now to, uh, to to stay up this season for them. Yeah, and they face Bradford at home uh, this weekend. Opportunity to bounce back. Yeah, it'd be a tough one though. You know, Bradford have been going pretty well, haven't they? And they're chasing a playoff spot themselves, aren't they? So, yeah, but, you know, Swinton are a good side at Haywood Road. They've knocked some good teams off there this season. So, uh, they'll be confident. They'll be confident they can win that game. Yeah. Well, that's all the rugby league chat. We're joined by James Sweetenham. James, uh, looking forward to talking all things sporting, Salford and beyond, and particularly the boxing. Yeah, I most certainly am, Rob. I'm delighted to be back with you and Paul. And there's been a lot going on this week in the world of boxing. And we'll start with Anthony Joshua. A couple of weeks back, he beat Robert Hellenius via seventh round knockout. And we were hoping that would steer him in the direction of a Deontay Wilder fight. However, it's now looking like he's going to have one more before that. Paul, are you disappointed that he's not going straight into this one? Yeah, I, I think it's the fight we were all looking forward to. It wasn't after the uh, the Helena's fight, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that convincing. But you know, he showed in that fight. You know, he still got the knockout power, and you know, it, it just seems sometimes that we tread in water in the heavyweight division, don't we? Going around in circles. So, uh, so yeah, I thought that one would get announced, but uh, but no, it looks like it's going to be a wait. And on that bill as well, we had Derek Chisora. There was speculation after that fight with Gerald Washington. Some people thought he may have been lucky to get that one, especially by the margins it was. But he's going to be fighting on. Is this the right decision or should Delby really look at calling it a day? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I thought he should have called it a day the last time he fought Tyson Fury, to be honest, because um, you know he didn't do himself much favours that night. He got well beaten. Looked to beat a man, really. You know, we all know he's a very brave man, but... How long do you go on for? You know, it's it's one of those, isn't it, really? He's not getting any younger now. He's been in some absolute wars, hasn't he, over the years? And, you know, if I was a member of his family, I'd be a bit concerned about him now because 
I don't see what else you've got to prove in the sport, really. So, so yeah, there's, there's there's big fights for him if he wants, and there always will be in that division. But you know, you, you sort of worry which, which way he's going to go. And on the bill, we had commentating Tony Bellew, somebody who has received criticism in recent times for his potential bias towards Anthony Joshua. His friend and former DAZN host Carl Froch has come out and said that Tony Bellew should not be allowed to commentate on Anthony Joshua fights. What do you make of this assessment? And is that quite a big blow from Carl Froch towards Tony Bellew? Well, we all know Carl Froch is quite opinionated, isn't he? Uh, I don't think he's the most likeable bloke in the world, is he? Um, yeah, he's a decent guy, but, you know, he, I think he's one of them who doesn't like criticism. I think he always thinks he's right, doesn't he? But no, I always thought Tony Bellew was, was a good guy. I mean, I must admit, I, I didn't hear the commentary. I listened to the fight on the radio, actually, on Talk Sport, so... I didn't watch it, so I've not heard the commentary. So I don't know how biased it was or not. You might better tell me uh, more than that. But no, it just seems uh, seems a strange one. But you know, Carl Froch does like the sound of his own voice. <laughs> and sticking with the Eddie Hearn theme now, revolving around Anthony Joshua, and he's had an interesting week regarding drug testing. I mean, it seems that this is something that's really being highlighted in the sport at the moment. How many boxers are? on performance-enhancing drugs. And he and Conor Ben gave the impression that he'd been cleared. However, that has now been appealed by UCAD and the British Boxing Board of Control. Eddie wants Conor to fight as early as next month, but the waters are murky. It's clear that there are forces within the boxing world that still think he's guilty, that still want him away from the sport. How do you think this is all going to unfold right now? Well, he's never been cleared by, you know, by the British Boxing Board of Control, has he? So, you know, if he's been cleared by such a body in America, he can fight in America. But until you're cleared in this country, you can't fight in this country. So he, that's going to be a bit of a sticky wicket for him, really. So I, I don't know. It's, it's it's a real strange one because he'll say one thing and then they talk about what, what he failed it. And then he says something about he's had too many eggs and this one thing or another. And he's, he's produced this dossier. It's, it's a real minefield and, and nobody really knows what's going on. So I think there needs to be some clarity and we need to find out what's going on, how long he's banned for and, and, and where we're up to because it's just hearsay and rumours at the moment. It, it does seem a bit of a farce. Boxing does seem a farce at the moment, particularly with um, you know the Dylan White situation as well. It, it, it really does feel like you know drugs and performance and anti-drugs are rife in the sport. Yeah, it does. It most certainly does. I mean, Dylan White, obviously somebody else who's protesting his innocence. I mean, what do you make of the whole situation around him? Because he has now tested positive three times. The first for an over-the-counter substance. The second, he was actually able to fight on without the news of a failed drug test being announced to the public and his opponent, Oscar Rivas. So that landed Eddie Hearn in hot water. He was very happy to let him fight that time. But when he was taking on Anthony Joshua, the public knew very quickly, and Eddie Hearn is now saying that he doesn't even know Dylan White that well. So is there a bit of conflict of interest here? What's going on with Dylan White? It sounds like it, doesn't it? I mean, nobody should be failing drug tests because you shouldn't be taking anything that you're not supposed to take. Um, and, and boxers shouldn't shouldn't be wet behind the ears. They know exactly what they can and can't have, or they should do, because they're not lads who are paid £500 a week here for, to, to go and fight in... Um, in a social club, they, they're being paid an awful lot of money. They've got nutritionalists. They've got a whole team around them. They they should know exactly what they're taking and, and, and what they're doing. The professionals, you know, that's that's the you know your job. So it, it really does seem like Eddie Hearn's trying to wash his hands and you know and make excuses really and, and pass the blame. 
So I, I don't really know what's going on there. But Dylan White, maybe he's not to blame. Maybe it's somebody above him. Maybe it's his team that are to blame. I, I don't know. But he, perhaps he's been badly advised. You, you'll probably never know the facts. But if you fail the jugs test three times, I'd be questioning you know, the people who are, who are doing my nutrition and, and, and things like that because they're obviously getting it wrong. They most certainly are. And another Hearn fighter who is tested positive this week, Alicia Bumgardner, the WBC champion. Many will remember her for beating Mikla Meyer on the undercard of Marshall versus Shields. She has tested positive. And there's a few angles to look at this one. Firstly, and quite remarkably, Frank Warren has added fuel to the fight of a conspiracy theory that uh, she tested positive as she was on the cusp of leaving Eddie Hearn promotions for Jake Paul promotions, which is a pretty out there accusation. And now it's looking like things could go legal between Hearn and Warren. Yeah, it's a mess. The sport just seems in a bit of a mess at the moment. And it makes you wonder whether drugs tests should become sort of rather random, should be, should be mandatory before, before all fights. Now, um, I don't know how you do that, but it just seems to be so rife in the sport and, the sport's so unbalanced at the moment. You know, we, we mentioned it a few weeks ago when we talk about fight nights getting announced and things like that. And, you know, fans are being shortchanged because the, there's always this doubt now that is the fight going to go ahead? Is someone going to pull out injured or is somebody going to pull out for, for drugs or are we going to get to see it? So it just seems really unstable boxing at the moment. It's, it's a shame. It is. And with fighters like Dylan White, Conor Ben, Canelo Alvarez, failing drug tests and either completely getting away with it or only serving very short bans. It's deeply upsetting for fighters, for example, like Liam Cameron, who was returning this week off the back of a four-year ban, which is served for cocaine, which obviously is, yes, illegal, but not a performance-enhancing product. So is it fair that he's getting longer than these boxers who are failing for actual performance enhancers and not getting anything? Not at all. No, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm not condoning cocaine one, one bit. Um, it's, I think it's an awful drug, as are all drugs, you know, they wreck people's lives. But I think to give somebody a four-year ban for that, he knows he's done wrong there. Would you get sentenced to four years in prison for taking cocaine? No. So whatever that, you'd probably get fined, wouldn't you? Um, so I, I, I don't get that. That's not, you know, a bit of performance-enhancing drug, as it may be giving, you know, a six-month ban or something like that. But I don't think to take four years off someone's career is the right thing to do, really. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he's learned his lesson from that. But I think the performance-enhancing drugs should should carry a bigger ban because you're cheating, aren't you? Basically, if you if you want to be stupid and go out and drink a load of beer and take a load of drugs, that's not affecting or, or cheating your way in the sport, is it? You're just being silly, aren't you? Really, and probably hampering your your chances in the sport. And somebody who has actually served a ban now for performance-enhancing drugs is Zolani Tete. Somebody who we've enjoyed watching over the years, a likeable character, but obviously taking performance-enhancing drugs. He will be away from the sport for four years now, which is a long time at his age and his weight. Is it realistically at this stage, is Zolani Tete done? Probably, yeah. Four years is a massive, massive sort of um, time out in the sport, isn't it? It, it, it? You know, you're out for that long. You've got to keep your body ticking over for four years. And the temptations and, and the, the drive that you'd need to do that, it'd be absolutely, well, I, I, I couldn't really think of it. I mean, you're going to be inactive for that amount of time. You're going to keep training because, if, you know, imagine four years out, how, how long is it going to take you to get back again to, to that standard? So, yeah, I think four years is, is the end of someone's career, really. 
And somebody else who's been out for a very long time and is seemingly returning to action is Billy Joe Saunders. He was having a coffee with Eddie Hearn the other day. He's not fought since that Canelo Alvarez defeat. He has piled on the pounds. Is there a way back to the top for Billy Joe Saunders? Can he do much more in the sport? Because he's always been a character. He's had the talent, but never quite the commitment. Well, I hope it was a black coffee that he had and not one of them big uh, Frappuccino things. <laughs> he had piled a bit of weight on. But, uh, but no, he's a terrific fighter, terrific character as well. I mean, he's not one of my favourites. I don't like the way he talks about people sometimes. But if you can look beyond that and just, just look at him as a boxer, yeah, he's very entertaining. and He's been in a good division as well, hasn't he? So, so yeah, there's probably still fights there for him. He lost to you know Canelo there, but you know he's a top fighter, isn't he? So he's a good British boxer. So I'd like to think he's still got a bit in the sport. I'm not too sure how old he is. I'm pretty sure he's a similar age to Callum Smith, isn't he? You know, he's early 30s now, so probably just got a bit of life left in him. And now looking at some of the action from the weekend, Dennis McCann and Ayanet Balotta, they fought on BT Sport or TNT Sport, should I say now, and Balotta, somebody who's been around for a very long time. He's beaten the likes of... David Oliver Joyce, TJ Dahini, some some great Queensbury fighters, Andrew Kane as well, I think. He came up against Dennis McCann this week and he looked en route to another victory. However, a cut in the ninth round called a halt to proceedings. It ended up a draw. Looking at Dennis McCann, he's one of the standouts from the Queensbury stable. But is he good enough to go all the way? And can he beat Baluta if there's a rematch? Yeah, I think I think he was doing pretty well in that fight. I think he could definitely win a rematch. It, it was a shame, wasn't it? That fight. It was a, it was a cracking fight, but you know it's always a shame when there's a court and it ends up in a draw like that. But I think if if he had to go again, I think he's got a chance in in that. I thought he thought he boxed quite well. Most certainly. And now looking at the crossover scene again, it's been rife this week. We've got a press conference on Tuesday, so that will have happened by the time this show goes live. KSI Tommy Fury in the main event, and then. Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis below that. And the trash talk for this one has gone a little bit past the point of return, really, with Dennis taking aim at Logan Paul's fiance, posting photo after photo after photo after photo, and even getting a ban off Twitter uh, for posting pictures of his girlfriend with different men that she's been in relationships with, from Leonardo DiCaprio to LeBron James. And he's obviously received a lot of backlash for this from social media. His fans are loving this. Paul, from a traditional boxing standpoint, it always seems a little bit too far, perhaps, when family members are brought into this, because obviously they've got their own feelings too, and it's not just about their partners that are obviously boxing. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't sit well with me at all, Jane. I think there's, you know, you can be a boxer, you can be a sportsman, but I think in life you've got to be a decent human being as well. Um, I think, you know, you can all this bravado, can't we, about... You know, being a tough guy and that, I think it just makes you to be a bit of a laughing stock if you carry on like that. I mean, it's not somebody who get my respect doing something like that. To be honest, if I was his opponent, I wouldn't say a word. I'd wait till I got in the ring and then rip his head off. But you know, that that that's the way it should be. Um, you should have respect for people, and if you carry on like that, I think it, it happens in this day and age. Or in this day and age of social media, people just seem to think they can get away with what they want, don't they? And I, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. But I might be a bit of a dinosaur now, but. No, it's, uh, it's not good. And then going into the last piece of boxing news from this week, Terence Crawford featured on the Joe Rogan podcast off the back of what was an incredible performance against Errol Spence. He claimed that he'd like to fight Canelo Alvarez and is willing to go all the way up to £168 for it. That'd be a great fight. Obviously, Canelo outboxed in the past by Floyd Mayweather 
and Erislandi Lara, but that was a long, long time ago. Crawford, is he too small, or could he pull would be an incredible and legacy-defining victory. Yeah, I'm just trying to work out the weight difference. Um, we've seen it before, haven't we? You know, we, we talk about athletes here, aren't we, that, that can that can build that muscle and, and get that weight on. Um, and you're talking muscle as well, aren't you? You don't want something to pile a load of fat on. So it's going to take an awful lot of work in the gym, an awful lot of nutritionalist work as well. You have to eat a lot more than what you normally do. So that would be interesting to see you know, on its own, the way he could to get up to that weight. But if he could do, I think, you know, Crawford is a magnificent fighter, as we've just mentioned there. You know, the the the, the last victory was outstanding. So, yeah, that that could be a great fight. And I'd just like to watch his training camp for that and how he goes about it. How long would it take him to get up to that weight level? That That's the thing. It's If you if your body and your frame can do that, then, then why not? Like, go for it. And now moving on to the world of football, and there's two big stories that are going across the footballing world this week. And let's focus on a positive rather than a negative to start off with, Rob. It wasn't the victory the Lionesses wanted. No. Over the course of the tournament, they've united the country. It seems that this is the most interest that the women's team has ever generated with people watching the games, with people really getting into it, young girls being inspired. What have you made of the run that the Lionesses have been on this tournament? Yeah, what what a fantastic run they've been. A brave, brave effort, uniting the country with all the uh, the football that they played. We had this vision they were going to go all the way to, to the final after the European Championship success of last season. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be, but... Like you said, it, it galvanises the sport. It, it inspires the next generation of, of, of girls coming through to think that they can be a lioness and compete at the very top. Obviously, a defeat in, against Spain in, in the final in Australia will hurt, but really, it's a win for women's football and it's only going to get better and better as the years go on for me, James. Yeah, it's looking like they're generating real momentum now and hopefully by the time the next... World Cup rolls around will be will be even stronger. Obviously, the Americans have dominated this sphere for a very long time, and I know that they didn't win it this time around. It was Spain, obviously, that came out on top. But it's just a bit of a turning point where the Lionesses become a dominating force in world football. I do believe that, James, because obviously the FA have invested heavily in into the the ladies' game, and it's it's paying dividends in it with you know European Championship success, uh, World Cup final appearances. It's it's about keeping that level of investment up now because obviously they've reached the top and they need to keep investing and keep bringing these players through. We don't want this to be a golden generation and then it sort of could tail off over the next sort of four years because they think they've made it and they've got a successful team there. It's all about the next generation and the pipeline that brings the next player through and that and that's the important thing and that's where we stand at the moment, don't we? We need players to continue this journey from grassroots football to you know play, turning out for the women's game at Wembley. Well, certainly. And this is an interesting piece of news, Rob, is that the manager of the Lionesses, she's done an incredible job, obviously winning the Euros and coming ever so close to making us world champions. There's rumours that the FA are interested in her potentially taking over from Gareth Southgate if he steps down following the next European Championships. Is she somebody that you think could guide our team to potential World Cup victories or European Championship victories? Or is she not quite ready for that leap in uh, standard? 
Well, it's an interesting thought, obviously, Serena Wayman has come all the way, aren't you, with this, Eng- this England ladies team. And when you get to international level, it's more about managing the people rather than coaching them. I don't see what Gareth Southgate can sort of tell Harry Kane how to play football. He has gone through that process um, from his from his younger days into cl- coaching at club football, um, and now he's, he's in Germany, you know, playing his trade. But at international level, what what can the the manager tell or the coach tell her? Tell a, an athlete who's at the peak of their career, uh, you know, how to play. Really, it's about managing them as people and getting in their head and, and making them play the best to the best of their ability. And that, and that is what she seems to be able to do with this England ladies team to, to lift them to that next level. Like I said, with all the investment, that's also a factor. But if you've got the best coach in in the in the position where you need them coaching your your national team, then that success will come. Can she do that to the to the men's game? It'll be a big ask because obviously men's football and women's football are totally different. But like I said, you've got your coaches there to coach. She just needs to do the psychological stuff. And uh, who knows? It would be a big statement um, on the uh, on the football world if we were to the first international team to hire a, a, a lady as our head coach. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, we most certainly will. I'm glad that you brought up Harry Kane in there, Rob, because his debut for Bayern Munich didn't go according to plan. A 3-0 loss to Leipzig in what could have been his first opportunity to win a major trophy. It's not worked out, but against Werder Bremen, he was back in action, scoring his first goal for Bayern Munich. Are you expecting him to have a successful season this year? Yeah, he's at the peak of his powers. He'll he'll go to Germany. Um, It's... You know, I suppose it's a, a bigger version of, of the of the Scottish League with Celtic and Rangers, and I think it's Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund both competing at the top. He will score thirty goals in in Germany. He will probably end up with a title winner's medal, uh, and that is what the plan was for him to go there. He could have stayed at Spurs. He could have probably broken their uh, goal scoring record, but that Spurs team isn't built to to win anything at the moment. Uh, so for him and his career, he did the right thing and moved to Germany. Well, certainly. And now let's look at the negative news story this week, Rob. Mason Greenwood. Mm. It's been a very long time now. We've been awaiting to hear the news of whether he was going to be convicted of what he was accused of, whether Manchester United are going to keep him, get rid of him. They put out a statement which lots of people believe was leading towards the fact that they were going to potentially keep him. It's now come out from people close to the club that they may be taking a U-turn on that decision due to the overwhelming backlash that they've seen. Obviously, everyone at this point has heard the audio tapes and has come to their own conclusion of what Mason Greenwood is and has done. Personally, I don't want to see him represent Manchester United. Rob, how do you feel about the situation and what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think, obviously, he hasn't been convicted as a, of a crime. so. Manchester United would be terminated. I'd have to terminate his contract if they feel like what they have seen is enough to sort of bring the club into dispute in a way. Um, I I think obviously Manchester United have this issue where Mason Greenwood is a sixty million pound player, and if they were just to let him go, then they're basically burning sixty million pound right there. And do the owners of Manchester United want to do that? Do they see that as, you know, 
losing that six million quid, then how do they get that back? Will they have to pay? Uh, sort of, will they have to up the season ticket prices and the merchandise to cover the costs of terminating Mason Greenwood's contract? That's the big thing for me. Um, yeah, like I say, we've seen the videotapes, and it is the image of Manchester United, which is more important around the world and how people see the, the club and, and see the team bigger than one particular individual. Um, he is a top top player, but. In this situation, uh, they're probably thinking about the bigger picture and how it would affect share prices and potential sponsors in the future. So I do see uh, the club making that decision to let him go. Uh, but I think behind the scenes, they'll be looking at ways of uh, sort of reaping the cash back after basically letting him go for nothing. Yeah, I mean, £60 million, as you say, a lot of money of keeping somebody who is obviously has such a, a disdained reputation now. Would that be more damage than what sixty million would be? Well, you've got the part of the fact is that sponsors and businesses who are involved Man United aren't sort of involved emotionally with the club. They're there for the cold hard cash and having Mason Greenwood in the team, bringing headlines, bad headlines to the club, doesn't do great things for them. So I, I would see a big pushback from sponsors and that if he does. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the club do. But the, the way everyone's talking now, I do, I do feel like it could be the end of the road for him. Yeah, I mean, especially after seemingly gauging the reaction and what's coming out from the club, it does mm. look like the the road is over for Mason Greenwood. And for many people, they feel that is absolutely the right decision that he that he shouldn't be representing the football club. Manchester United have announced that Mason Greenwood. Uh, will leave the club um, by mutual consent after a six-month internal investigation into his uh, conduct. He remains on full pay, uh, but will not return to training with Manchester United. Uh, his contract runs out in 2025 uh, and now will be sold or loaned to another club for the remainder of his contract. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, to him um, and the rest of his career. Uh, obviously, Man United look, are looking to support him uh, in his uh, change uh, when leaving the club, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see what plays out there. He's, he wasn't he wasn't convicted as of a crime, but unfortunately, society don't forget, even though they, he was not convicted. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, and mm. will. He... But Manchester United in action today, a two 0 defeat. We were decent at the start of the game. We seemingly capitulated after conceding the first goal. Is that a mentality problem at Manchester United? Yeah, I think um, the the forward the attack is is non-existent. Uh, defensively, we were we were okay, smoother with Anana knocking the ball about. We looked more like we could pass through, uh, but the midfield with sort of a kind of uh, you know Mason Mount, um, you know in in there kind of doing a lot of running, but not doing a lot of sort of passing. Um, we need we need reinforcements. We need bodies in that midfield and attack. Uh, to make this uh, team tick, because obviously you can't rely on uh, Casemiro and this back four and Anana to 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 do the magic. Uh, you need goals and you need them now. You most certainly do. Looking at Anana, his start to life at Manchester United. Obviously, we picked up the first victory at Wolves. Anana played quite well in that particular game. I mean, obviously there was the controversy of some people accusing him of nearly murdering a man 
when he <laughs> dove in the box and took somebody out. You know, I thought it was an okay challenge, Rob. I didn't think it was the end of the world, but obviously you may have your own opinion on that. What is your opinion on how well he's playing so far and how he's settling into Manchester United? Yeah, I think, I think you know, the ball at his feet, it brings a lot of calmness to it. And, and football, the way it is now, James, you play out from the back. And if your goalie has ice in his veins and he's willing just to flick the ball past the approaching centre forward um, without uh, you know upsetting anybody or looking nervous or spreading the nerves around the team then it's then it's great talking about that particular incident against Wolves I thought it was a nothing challenge I thought if, you, if you're going to give penalties like that um, every game the sport's dead you can't you can't go sort of challenge the ball challenge the goalkeeper for the ball anymore you've got to let him catch it because if you touch him he's done um or the other way around i think it's just football some rules are just sort of going mad aren't they and i think that was one of them um, yeah I can... but yeah he's, he's so far so good i don't think he was a fault for any of this the spurs goals on uh on saturday um but so we said, there's there's lots of uh, games to go in there, and lots of people, I suppose, haven't yet gone. Oh well, David Hayward to say that, have they? He's not he's not done anything yet like that to, for us to say that. He's not Rob, and I'm going to reminisce now over an old Manchester United goalkeeper. <laughs> He'll be possibly in tears right now that this isn't Peter Schmeichel. <laughs> but can you uh, can you see any similarities between Onana and the? old Fabian Barfez because I can imagine with some of the ridiculous things that Onana does on the pitch if you look for his whole entire career he could give us some moments that are pretty Barfez-esque well Barfez was was just um, a eccentric uh, goalkeeper uh, not out the box goalkeepers fitness wasn't the greatest but he was able to pull out some wonderful saves I remember one at Anfield against uh, Liverpool where we won 2-1, where he sort of flicks the ball over the bar in the dying seconds. It's moments like, went to, obviously, World Cup winner with France. Um, you know, eccentric moments, but also wonderful moments as well. Was a bit small for a goalkeeper, for my liking. But he had an enormous leap, which we've got him out of jail a lot of times, James. So, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, but I don't think Pato was, was was that good with his feet. I just thought it was a bit, you know, love to run out of his penalty box. And I suppose he gave defenders jitters because he thought he could play when Anana can. Yeah, he's a, a very interesting player for sure. Mm. This week we have a fixture against Nottingham Forest. And is that one we should win, really? Yeah, you're hoping for a win uh, for Manchester United. We need to start picking up points. Yeah, we most certainly do. And now looking at Manchester City, a positive start for the season for them. Their first piece of silverware after falling short in the Community Shield. They picked up the UEFA Super Cup against Sevilla via a 5-4 penalty shootout. And they've also beat Newcastle, which is a pretty big win for them. Yeah, obviously the Pep Guardiola, Man City juggernaut rolls on. Um, like you say, penalty win against Seville. Uh, Newcastle will be a contender uh, this season. Um, so a home win against them is always good psychologically, obviously, after Newcastle's fantastic start to the season. I'm sure Pep will be looking to continue this run because uh, obviously there's so many contenders now in the Premier League. Um, a lot of people hoping that City will start to slip. But, you know, early in the season, games coming thick and fast. If this is going to be the moment they slip, they're going to do it now. Yeah, they are. It's going to be very interesting, especially considering Kevin De Bruyne is injured. And how much of an impact is that going to make throughout the campaign? Because it's looking like he's going to miss the bulk of it. 
Yeah, it's going to be uh, you know a, a real headache for Pep Guardiola's men um, with a, with about minutes to go, James. You've got to worry about you know. Do you have to worry because Man City have got so many good players? Phil Foden comes in and just takes over his role like he's like he's played there all his life. So um, I suppose later on in the season when you're getting injuries and fatigue, that'll be a big question. But yeah, Pep Guardiola knows what he's doing. You know, he's got a team there that knows how to win. Um, so he just needs to keep them fit and fire on the pitch. And have a lot on the line this weekend. They travel to Bramall Lane to take on Sheffield United, a game that you're assuming expecting Manchester City to win. Yeah, obviously, you know, Sheffield United, you know, are a tough team to beat, uh, but I can see Pep Guardiola's men winning handsomely 2 or 3 now. Yeah, I completely agree, Rob. It's one that I'm expecting them to win to Manchester City at this stage of the season, despite the disappointment of losing Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not particularly concerned about them. Our other team, Salford City, just beating Tranmere, and now they're taking on Accrington Stanley, a game where, again, I assume will win. Yeah, 4-3 win away at Tranmere. Hat-trick for Callum Henry uh, for the Amis. You know, fantastic result uh, for them. They sit fifth in the league with seven points at the moment, uh, James. And they're looking forward to, uh, you know, another game this week, like you said, against Akron Stanley at home, hoping the people of Salford get behind them, get down there and support the boys. So the Salford and Manchester area is fantastic. Clubs involved in playing football, the likes of United and City and Salford City, producing great entertainment for spectators and fans. Uh, we love covering it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio and talking about it every week to you, our listeners. Big thanks for joining us on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio and we'll see you soon for more Salford Sporting Chat on your Salford City Radio. <laughs>